0: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore.
1: Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And yesterday was the three-year anniversary of uh, the passing of Kobe and Gianna. And it's been a minute since we talked about about Kobe on the pod. So that's what we're gonna do today. We're just gonna reflect on Kobe and go whatever direction that it can go in. And that's something that struck me, D, over the last three years is that Kobe's, Kobe in the various ways that he impacted me, and he's probably the most influential person on me outside of my family. It always hits me in different ways. There's times where I laugh, there are times where it hits me like a slug to the chest and I, I cry. Um, but he always makes me think and I'm just I'm just wondering, man, like as you think about Kobe with uh, in, in, as time has passed, just what comes to mind first?
2: Well, it's interesting. Like I was rereading the thing, one of the things that I wrote in the aftermath of Kobe's passing. And one of the things and I don't know if it's like this for you, Mike, but I, I, I want to say it might have been Dave McMenamin who was talking about this. Well, one day, but Um, on social, especially um, like IG, your, your algorithm starts to reflect like all the things that you like linger on or click on Mm -hmm. or, or like. And so Dave Keg commented that in some ways, Kobe is always present in his life now because every time mm. something comes up with um vanessa and the girls or some random kobe um highlight clip or some mm-hmm. interview that he's done it's showing up on his feed and in some ways he's more present than he ever was like wow in the that's aftermath, a great
1: observation i
2: get like, a lot of kobe like, art on like online, his yeah. retirement mm-hmm. and, and and so i was rereading something that i wrote in the aftermath of his passing, and there was this long section where I was just running off all of these things that I remembered about like these plays that he made and just sort of, and I included uh, links to all of this stuff that you could find on YouTube. I reposted the article yesterday on my Twitter feed, if if you want to find it, but just, I just think about his, his influence, not only like that influence that you were talking about, Pete, in, in terms of like how he impacts pe- people's lives, but just like on the game and and all of the positive memories that he gave us as fans. And, and so before we started to record, Pete did ask Mike if he's ready for the road trip. And Mike was talking about all kinds of different stuff. But one of the things that I thought about instantly when you brought up like, OK, like it's let's reflect on, on Kobe a little bit is that. The first game is against Boston. The Lakers play the Celtics on Saturday, mm-hmm. and it's a bit fitting to be Mike that it's just like it's so close to the anniversary of Kobe's passing. And then instantly you're right back into this idea of the Lakers play the Celtics. And it's like I'm always drawn back to the things that Kobe always made feel more important based off of who he was as a player and and as a person and there was a lot of reflection or a lot of reflecting going on of of Kobe yes yesterday and it was always that that commitment to whatever you're doing and the purpose that that you carry And during his playing days, I feel like there was no better reflection of that than any time the Lakers played the Celtics and so there's just a lot on my mind I guess. Well, I'll save a couple of personal
3: stories for later in the pod to start with what you were just talking about with Boston, because when I came to work for the Lakers, of course, it was the fall of 2008 and this was coming off the finals loss uh, to Boston. And that was what, so when I first encountered Kobe and just covered him on a day-to-day basis, it was all, everything was pushing towards him needing to exact uh, revenge essentially for that and needing things to line up somehow as it looked like it might because it didn't look like boston was going anywhere um and that year they did because in part of kg's injury but then they were back of course in the 2010 finals and the way that kobe pushed that team through those that whole two-year period up until the point where they get boston in game seven of the finals was remarkable to watch the and i think kind of spoke to his what made him who he was and the the dedication and the, the passion, all of that meeting the skill and the hard work and such like that. But just the the mental part of it was I think what stood out the most because you could see it after practice. You could see it before games. You could see it during games. You could see it after games. You saw it on the road. You saw it at home. And you're right Darius that the, there was something about Boston that brought that out. And I think it was because he was a student of NBA history and Kobe, when he was in Italy, famously would have his uncle send him tapes of NBA games um, so that he could watch them. And he would study Larry Bird and he was studying Magic Johnson. And he, of course, got a bent towards the Lakers. And eventually, once getting there, then he had a lot of time around Dr. Buss. And how did Dr. Buss feel about the Celtics? Like it, mm-hmm. that, It's the kind of hate that is uh, sports hate that is even... I think a lot of Laker fans that are younger, even maybe like including some that would be my age, but didn't actually watch Kobe go through this, mm-hmm. have a harder time understanding than you two do, having grown up with Showtime and and having been, you know, just the, the mere presence of the color green, making you feel a certain way viscerally. So going into that game against Boston over the weekend You know, I'll I'll be struck by, it'll be an intense game. It'll be an intense matchup. Like Boston's number one in the East. The Lakers have AD back, they have LeBron. But it's not going to be quite like, you know, the Lakers going to play the Celtics when Kobe was there. And I hope that it can get back to that that fever pitch at one point. And I'm sure that it will um, as this rivalry goes on and on. But yeah, it's a not to not to turn it on a slightly sour note there pete but there that's one of the things that i lament you know as you think about missing kobe and, and just missing kind of the the whole all of it uh, all of it but as i go to boston and i think of kobe there's the it's like i'm i am glad though that he beat them that like that would have been the worst right and, and for oh, him man. too so so <laughs> as i say i just twisted myself in a pretzel there but came out smiling i'm um, thinking that you know what that game seven, they got away. They got away. Uh, they found a way to get it done, and that banner's up there, and he did yep. that.
1: That finding a way to get it done, I think, is something that still lingers in the presence of of the organization and just kind of the the longer we can hold on to that, the, the better. It's one of the many gifts that he left behind. And it's just that like that indomitable spirit that I will do everything in my power to reach my goals. And that's something that that's part of the reason why he's so influential on me is that, you know, after that 2008, it was, he, he was a man on a mission and that was really how he lived his life, you know, is with a great sense of purpose and a great sense of appreciation of of the details, but also like gratitude. When you read his thoughts, this is something I've been thinking a lot about uh, in, I've been watching a lot of videos of him talking and uh, reading Mamba Mentality and just kind of what are his thoughts and his philosophies. And the more time passes, the more I view Kobe as a philosopher, along with being a basketball player. And really, that idea of gratitude and falling in love with the journey of getting there—that that is the—that is the goal. That is, um, you know, one of the points of the the book *The Alchemist* uh, that, that Palenka brought up, you know, a few years back, is that the the reward is in the journey. And I thought Kobe had a special appreciation and gratitude for that. That in so many of the things that he left behind, whether it was the show detail, whether it was his book *Mamba Mentality*, the many interviews that he's done. He always struck me, D, as somebody who found the secret to living your professional life to the fullest. I didn't know him on a personal basis the way that, that you did, Mike. I never met Kobe, but his commitment and love and gratitude of the journey and the details therein, I think, provided the fuel for all of the like the we see the end result of that, right? The, oh, he's at the gym at three o'clock in the morning and all of these like Paul Bunyan type stories about his work ethic, but he was in love with it. It wasn't something that like was a, was a drag the way that so many of us can think of our work and our professional lives. And he found what he loved and he chased it with everything that he had. And I feel really grateful to have LeBron on the team because he does that too. So, sorry, getting a little choked up, but uh, yeah, that, that's what one of the many things that stands out to me well, it's it's
2: interesting. And I'd love to get Mike's perspective on this because I feel like that was that perspective that he had was not always there with him. And it was something that came on later in life. And it's interesting because I'm basically this me and Kobe were born the same year. and, I say this a lot, but we're the same high school year. We graduated the same year. And in a lot of ways, it's why when I look at Kobe, he will never mean as much to me as like Magic Johnson, because I was a child and I saw Magic Johnson like he was the one who sort of brought me to to the game. And he will always carry that part of me. My appreciation and love of Kobe is one That is almost of like kinship of like, look at this dude who's my, yeah, like, look at this dude who is my exact age doing this amazing thing. And so as I reflect now on Kobe towards the end of his career, Mike, and then his post playing days. Th- that reflection that he had and that sort of philosopher idea that Pete is talking about, I feel like that was something that came to him much later because when he was younger, it was so much more a story of being driven towards a goal. And after the fact, I feel like he understood that, no, like the the joy was in the work rather than like the person... Like, it's, it's where you like get to the top and then you on the way down, you, you get to appreciate the distance that you traveled to get to the top as well. And there's this full circle mentality that I don't think you get as a 25-year-old who is in the mm-hmm. midst of trying to build something. You get mm-hmm. that as a 35-year-old who is conquered – but still in the midst of all of these competitive throws and and it's this perspective that you gain as you age in life. And as someone who is getting older now himself and and I'll have a birthday next month where I'll reach this ridiculous age. And it's like you do understand the path of and the journey of what your life is taking. And. And I feel like Kobe came to this place later in his basketball career and then in the formative stages of what would be his second career that he really, I don't want to say appreciated things in in a different way or more. But it was this perspective that you gain only through years lived and and his ability to communicate that, I think, was one of his gifts.
3: When I dropped in to Los Angeles, I got to see a certain evolution of Kobe where he had already grown a lot From and I, I still, you know, I don't claim to be the expert on early Kobe, but when I got the job, I I was trying to read a bunch of stuff from, and there was a lot, right? There were, there was like Phil Jackson's books, which weren't always super kind uh, to that early version of Kobe. There was the perspective that was shared by some journalists that seemed to talk to Shaq more um, that I had read as that divide happened, and then there were some of the pro Kobe um sides of that. and, and i I tried to come in with a certain amount of uh, with my eyes open to a certain amount of extent. And then getting here, just spending a lot of time with Kevin Ding, who did cover those early Kobe days and just asking him questions after practice every day. Well, so what really happened with Kobe and chad You know, like who did you like more? and why? You know, and not that you had to pick a side, right? Like to get. I I know, I know with you two we don't have to do that whole thing. Uh, oh, but, but it was it definitely just, a
1: thing, man. It was before you yeah. got it's those days, That was a thing for sure.
3: It, yeah, it was a thing. But like the way that, and I just I thought Ding was really sharp uh, and really smart. He used to be a beat writer for the Orange County Register for many years. Then he went national <laughs> with, with Bleacher Report. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and so you get to you get to that point, and like I let's just say that the way that I thought about Kobe um, was influenced in a, in a positive way, like the more that I, the more that I read. And, and yet like the one that I saw right in front of me, you know, was that was a Kobe that was not like the one that that had been described to me. And so maybe I could kick that back to you, Pete, to describe a little (laughs) bit sort of what you knew of and had heard of Kobe. And then I can kind of pull back in um, as to, as to, what I saw uh, once I got there.
1: Yeah, I think both of you uh, kind of lead me to young Kobe, like right when he was drafted up through really Shack leaving those early years. Um, and he was the first when you were talking about him being exactly your age. D. I was nodding my head along. He's not exactly my age. He's, he was I was born in eighty. Darius in, in seventy eight. And but I'm the, the oldest in my family, and so you know I didn't have an older brother or anything, and where the Lakers were and all of my sports heroes really across all, all sports, he was the first one that was close to my age. He was drafted when he was 17, I was 15. And so it was the first guy where it's like, oh, that like everybody else seemed like way older that we're from different generations. But it was a certain amount of like, it was a sort of coming of age for myself. I've always felt like other people's birthdays make me feel older than my own. And just uh, that sort of thing, him being the first Laker that was somewhat of a peer. And then that point you made uh, about like him learning over the course of time, how to share his knowledge with, with the whole, right? Like, so, and that he was individually driven early on is like, he was on that mission of figuring out who he was going to be. He He had goals in his life. I want to achieve, I want to accomplish. And that was something that he, You know, Shaq tells that great story of the practice that they were in where everyone's doing their own thing and Kobe – or no, everyone's listening to practice and Kobe's like in practice and he's like jab-stepping and with just this great ferocity and intensity just like ha, ha, ha. And Shaq tells the story just really amazingly well, but it was just this like determination and like I'm going to be as great as I possibly can be. But it's within an overall team sport and an overall team setting where those sort of blinders can alienate people right? And that was a big part of the story early on. And when Kobe got there, that was the same summer we signed Shaq and we had championship expectations. So in some ways it was like having this top five pick on your team that was really, really young, but you're hoping for a championship. He's not the guy that you were excited about in the present moment. It was like, hey, he could become something down the line. And so he was not on the same timeline as the rest of the Lakers at the time, D. So I'm curious, like, what do you remember from that era of Kobe? Well, it's interesting, right,
2: because it's hard to take fans who are growing up with the game now back to the middle of the 1990s. But as mm-hmm. as someone who's old now, like I was telling this to my wife the other day, I was just like, oh, man, like this is making me feel old. And She's like, it's because we are old, like mm-hmm. we're old now. But there was no Internet. There was no like we got all of our news through center. And through the local newspaper, like you might get a national newspaper, you might get a slam magazine or a Sports Illustrated, but it was all print. Yep. There was no there there was no place where you could just type something in. There was no Google there were no, like, there were no I, I've told smartphones. This story before.
1: I've told this story before. The summer shack was a free agent. He didn't sign like right away. Uh, and it took a couple of weeks. And I woke up at four in the morning during my summer vacation every single day to get the newspaper in, in the driveway. And, like the moment that it would get there, I'd hear the car drive by, throw it out the window type thing. And so, yeah, man, just like a different informational era that I think informs kind of how we, it, it informs the story of Kobe. So Kobe was famous. He was famous. Right. He took
2: Brandy to prom like his dad was a former NBA player. He was the first preps to pro guard that was mm-hmm. taken. Like this was just the revitalization of that idea of high school players turning pro. So it was like KG the year before and now it's Co Kobe Bryant. And so there was definitely this sense of renown around him and his name. But there weren't expectations that he was going to be great. And that timeline idea that you're talking about, mm. it was just like, okay, well, if he turns into something, fantastic. Exactly. But, but we have other goals. Nick Van Exel. We
1: Eddie have right Jones.
2: Now goals. Yes. Like Shaq. Eldon Campbell, like the relics of this previous team and this other era that was now merging with this idea of of Shaq and Sed and this entire crew of people that were supposed to help you win a championship. And so these early ideas of what Kobe was or what he would be, those didn't exist. So we were talking, we were joshing around me and Pete in, in, uh, Texted the other day because we we brought up this old funny memory and he dropped this name Thon Maker and this was a totally different context and and I'm not going to bring up the context of of this <laughs> if this, you're a Laker film podcast
1: listener you might know the pod, the context though.
2: <laughs> so Pete brought up Thon Maker and I knew who Thon Maker was well before Thon Maker made the damn league yeah. if I told you the name Pete Seventh Woods. You might know the name Seventh Woods. Seventh Woods, man. Felipe Lopez. Felipe Lopez was
1: the guy from that era, uh, from our era, yeah. But it's just like the sort of dudes who
2: got famous because they had like House of Highlight tapes and these mixtapes that went viral on the internet, there was no such thing. Yeah, Back in 1996 And so if there was Kobe Bryant might have been The second pick overall He might have been the first pick Or rivaling Allen Iverson As who's actually going to be The top guy that's in this class But Mike that wasn't the case And so as as our fandom evolved And as Kobe And this is also part of That idea of what can alienate people Is Kobe didn't just have goals He had something to prove Mm. And he wanted to prove himself And having goals is one thing Elbowing your way into the conversation Mm -hmm. with, I'm going to prove to you that I am that guy.
1: That's what can be off-putting. If I can jump in real quick too, the place that he elbowed himself into as well was right between two of the most beloved basketball figures of the era, which one was Michael Jordan. Everyone looked at Kobe and was like, this dude's just copying MJ, right? Like he just, And so the MJ fans, I'm actually curious about young Mike Trudell's uh, thoughts on Kobe Bryant as a huge Michael Jordan fan, but he positioned himself between MJ and Shaq, who is the beloved star of the Lakers and this big personality that, you know, talked all the reporters and all that. So let's take a break. When we when we come back, we'll continue the conversation.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: You're right. I was the young Jordan Stan, like so many. And I was born just a year after you, Pete. I was in 1981 and I didn't have a team in Minnesota. And so I adopted the Chicago Bulls because they were on WGN and I could watch them every night. Eventually, the Wolves got a team and I veered that way, especially once KG got going. But, you know, I always had I never had felt that threat or anything as a Jordan Stan from Kobe because I don't know, like Kobe, Kobe wanted to be Jordan, but he respected Jordan. Like he wanted Mm -hmm. to be better than him, but he wasn't going at him in a way in like a, um, you know, you don't like in it. What's what's the right way to phrase it? They're just there's sometimes when somebody wants to be somebody, they will they will sort of burn all bridges to get there. And Kobe was more open about it. He was like, yeah, I, I watched this guy. I, I want to steal these skills. Hey, Mike, like, how do I get better at this? Mm-hmm. And there's the famous thing when they're on the free throw line and Kobe's actually asking him and Kobe told this story. And then I think Jordan reiterated it um, after he passed, where he essentially gave him the hint as to what he does on his fadeaway jumper. And I, it may have been that he that what he how he raised his opposite leg. To essentially keep the defense away
2: mike mj actually talked about this after one of the games that they played but he was talking about how do you feel the defense when you're in your fadeaway and mj was telling him you feel it with your legs like you don't feel it yeah. with with your back you feel the defense with your legs yeah. and so it's like this thing that you have to learn in in order to gauge how much the defense is on you but you're doing it with with your legs. And it was something that MJ was just like, oh, I'm telling this to, to this kid, but he's asking me, he wants to know. And it's like that curiosity. I think MJ appreciated that curiosity.
3: And, and it's not just the curiosity. And this is part of what is so beautiful about Kobe and, and part of what we learned as he transitioned, even from playing to being retired and calling up, you know, composers and writers and and, and just anybody that could teach him how to be great at something. And, and I think that he veered – he started to really load in the direction towards fatherhood as well um, when he sacrificed a lot of that when, he was, when the kids were growing up because he had to be max dedicated to his craft and all of the time that is required to do that. But back to the Jordan thing, that embracing of it and then him not being intimidated by Michael Jordan, whereas almost everybody else in the league was scared to even look at Jordan. Yes. And Kobe just went right up to him. And then Kobe asked for his number and he kept asking and he kept calling and he kept calling to the point where Jordan just could not help, but to be broken down by it. And, and so I, like, I always viewed it them in some ways in that sense as like a team of like, if you like Jordan, you like Kobe, you don't have to take one or the other. Like we can do it in the debate as to, as to who we think is better and why, but there's, I don't, I never took any offense to any of that. And then, so when I, when I actually started covering the league, and then eventually, when I got to know Kobe personally like that 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 kind of enabled things for me to grow in a different way
1: so mike you you spent time around him right like Darius and I have a Kobe is a an iconic figure from the respective. There was no personal interaction, right? He was somebody who represented something on our television screens, and whenever we could go to a game and see him. But he, in some ways, is more of an idea. Uh, but to you, he was a person. He was an acquaintance at, at the very least, right? And so, just when you think about the the time that you guys had together, like any any stories, any just what stands out to you?
3: Yeah, the evolution of it. You know, I really started kind of not in the way that Kobe. Would have approached Jordan. I approached it in sort of a, and I've I've said this to you guys before, but let me just try to prove that I am trying hard to do this job right and to try to do this job well. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna prep before I ask you questions, and I'm gonna listen to what the answers are. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try not to ask something that is not informed, and I'm, I'm not gonna go and take something that Phil Jackson said and then turn it a certain way to try to get a response. So really, the first two years. Um, I spent kind of like that. And the moments would be more like if I ended up in a hotel room or sorry, in a hotel elevator with him going up to the room and and um I could hear like the black album coming out of his his headphones, which um he would have quite loud. And it would be um like he listened to Jay-Z almost exclusively for one of those seasons. I, I think it was the I think it was the second one. Huh. And you know, so I would just that would be the that would be kind of the entry point where then at the next game after um. After his postgame session, I could bring up, you know, hey, I feel like people don't pay enough attention to Lucifer, like later on the album. You know, everybody wants to talk about dirt off my shoulders, it, like that little kind of thing there. And that could be a five minute conversation. Right. And so you take moments like that and and build somewhat of a, of a rapport. And the other thing, like I would have my Manchester United gear on all the time. And, you know, so he would talk shit about that. <laughs> Even though like there were some people, some players that he knew from, from them and, and it was just stuff like that. Like Barcelona, um, he, he spent some time in Barcelona that I was in a big, that was when Messi was there and like peak Barcelona, maybe the greatest team of all time. So it was kind of like soccer and hip hop and just those little interactions amidst all of the basketball coverage, which at that time, again, like he was awesome. Uh, every night, every night, he was awesome. He was the top of his game and leading the Lakers to back-to-back titles while battling through injury. And some other things. And what I think the turning point when for me, when things got even more conversational was once I had my kids. And of course, this was later. This was this is now fast forward four years from that Mm. second title to 2014. And then instead of talking about soccer or hip hop, you know, it would be questions about kids. And he loved talking about his girls. And and so. You know, I would joke when the when the boys were six months old. It was like, so how how soon is too soon to get them out on the soccer field? Like, what did you do with your girls? You know, how, is one of them like basketball more than the other? And of course, Gianna um, was was um, starting to really get into basketball at this point, and, and Natalia had some other interests. And so that was that was always uh, great to me. And I see, by the way, just to bring the modern day into this, you know, I think LeBron lights up the most, right? If you want to ask him about his kids, and and mm-hmm. who wouldn't? So, yeah. But it takes some time to build up to that point, I think. Unless you're Kobe, and then you can just go right up to somebody, and and I admire that so much, you know, because I I I think I'm a little bit more like that than some, but certainly not to the to the degree of of Kobe, and it's uh, one of the things I admire about him the most.
2: One of the things that Kobe has said that has stuck with me, and it's and it's one of the things that that Jordan has said as well, and and I think that this is the beautiful part of of when you're that competitive is the that single-minded focus towards achieving a goal also has its way of, of sort of stripping away fears about yeah. the things that can go wrong. And that, that idea, Mike, of like just going up to anyone and asking about what their secrets are or how to be good at something, there's an innate vulnerability there that I think some people feel Fear that vulnerability yep and they see it as and that will then inhibit them from getting to the point in which they want to get to because they don't want to ask that question or they don't want to be off-putting or they don't want to they don't want to they don't want to and Michael Jordan had that great commercial, Mike, when you were younger and when we were young, young, younger, that I bet you still appreciate is uh, the one where it's rattling off all of the misses. And it sort of starts yeah. out with just a voiceover. And, and he's talking about I've I've taken three thousand whatever game winning shots. And basically, like I've missed so many. Right. And and Kobe was very similar in that yeah. idea that it's just like, the worst thing that could happen is I miss, the worst thing that could happen is you say no, right? Like these actually aren't terrible outcomes. It's like the value, our value systems and the value that we place on these outcomes are sometimes too high when the, when the benefit of what we could get out of this like Far outpaces, whatever the downside is of this one small thing. And so we focus too much on that small thing, Pete. And, and that's one of the things that I think is so applicable to real life that has nothing to do with sports. Yes. and those are, that's why Kobe continues to show up in my feed. And, and it's that sort of philosopher idea, right? It's it's, it's it's not so much like, oh, here's another Kobe clip comparing him to Jordan. And like, they're doing nope. the same moves. Like, don't get me wrong. Give me an hour straight of, of all of that stuff. I eat it up. But it's more the idea of these are pathways that I live my life. And not all of that is going to be applicable and not all of that is good advice to every person, right? But it's the nuggets of truth that you always mine, um, that I found it's, it's one of the things I, I, I appreciated Mike as he got older and older and older and that openness and that willingness, because, and this is a part I bet that you appreciated too, is not everyone is good with the press. Not everyone is open and honest. Not everyone is giving. In terms of how responsive they're going to be, how thoughtful they're going to be, how just in the moment they're going to be when they're talking about their craft or their game or anything about when they're dealing with with the media. And I felt like towards the end of his career, he gave us so much of that. And LeBron is very similar right now. LeBron gives so much. And there are times where I see other quote unquote superstars who aren't as giving like Giannis is one of those guys where I feel like he's so young within the context of his age, but he's so giving and he's so thoughtful. And it's one of the reasons why I feel like, oh, if there's another like face of the league sort, sort of guy, like he's he's that dude because he's an ambassador. And I appreciate all of that stuff. And, and Kobe was the first guy that I really saw like that.
3: No question. And, and I, I think that he also then modeled. Right. What just like Jordan did. Jordan was great. Um, at that stuff too, he modeled then what that, what the real big superstar should be like and how that's going to help the league, how that's going to help the game, how that's going to help future generations. And, and I think that that's something that's, that sticks for sure through LeBron. Pete, I want before we run out of time, can you just give me a couple, like, you know, 19 year old Pete or 21 year old Pete, just some moments of sort of watching Kobe and just the real fan perspective before you're really breaking things down in the film room. How that hits you, how that hits your family and anything like that.
1: I mean, to the two thousand one playoff run, you know, I'm about nineteen years old there, there it was when you are internally motivated to the degree that Kobe was and that team was, um, your opponent is yourself and you can reach a certain point where like if 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 that if that gels, that can you you can really reach great heights and so watching kobe really dismantle the sacramento kings in that series in particular was one where he was just it was somebody starting to come into their own he was 22 years old at that point about to be 23 and he was just absolutely brilliant and and that level of domination and that level of domination against a good team in a high stakes game where it just wasn't really fair, and he was part of a broader team in that respect. Um, that was that. That's really one of the starkest memories in that respect. Where would you be watching,
3: like a the a typical game, and like where, would you? If you had anything else going on, would you be like skipping school or work? So
1: So, no, I was, I was after, I didn't go to, I didn't go to college until much later and I didn't complete college. I'm just a high school grad. Uh, So I was a courier at the time and that often put me in different various sports bars around Ventura County and sometimes in LA County or, you know, at home, but in my apartment where Sharon, uh, you know, junior one bedroom and with two other dudes, you know, my drummer and my bass player and so it's kind of this community event where everyone's watching the game type of thing. So those are great memories of it feels like not just a lifetime ago but a couple of them I've I've had a few um and and so that like th- yeah, those are that's what I was up to during that time.
2: Serious, what about you? So it's funny, I I went to college near Sacramento. Um and so during those during that championship run and especially during those rivalries with the Kings, it's just like, I carried it. Like I was just like, Oh, these MFers. And I had a little bit of, of, of that dude in a foreign land who is just like, do not mess with me. And, yeah. and and I carry that Lakers energy with me. And, and so I totally remember <laughs> being out and about and these and folks would be like, oh kings, kings, kings. And I'm just like, nah, man. Like I wasn't quite the dude, like the like the gif of like the guy with the Lakers chain and like Lakers, Lakers, right? Like, we broke them for like 20
1: years, man. It felt good. That that was that year and the next year, man. The the game where Ori hit the three, like
2: I, out I was at, for the tip I, out. yeah, shout out to Vlade, Forever that's our guy. And so <laughs> I remember celebrating that game. I was in my apartment. I was watching it with a couple of other folks. One of my roommates at the time, he was from LA. He actually went to Crenshaw High. He was a dude, like real LA kid, right? Like knew all those guys, like watched Tyson Chandler and, and, and all of those guys play hoops, right? And, and so I remember running out and I'm on the second floor and there's a railing to go to like the stairs to walk down. And so Vlade hits that or Vlade tips that ball out or he hits that three and I run out of my door <laughs> screaming. And so who knows how many Kings fans there are in this general area. And I'm like shaking this railing, like, and I don't know if you guys were <laughs> wrestling fans, but do you remember the ultimate warrior and yeah, how when the he rope, like amp yeah. himself up and he like grabbed the top <laughs> my, rope and he, he would just shake it. When I
3: was, yeah. When I was a kid.
1: Yeah. And he I would like just shake
2: that top rope. And he was just like, 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 like it was an electric fence. That's how it like, like he was shaking it. And that's how I was grabbing that railing just shaking it shaking the hell out of it like I was the ultimate warrior because there was no juice bro there was no juice like those Kings games and and Kobe to speak to your point about that 2001 one series um that run of four straight games all on the road I've talked about this a lot but Kobe was a road killer Shaq was the guy who loved the home crowd but Kobe was the guy who loved the road crowd because he loved to shut them up. Yep. And that, four, that, that streak of four consecutive games, two on the road against the Spurs and two on the road against the Kings in back-to-back series, that was the mm. peak, peak number Young eight. Young Kobe. Yep.
3: Pe- number yes. eight. Yes. So, and that's, and that's the part where, when I hear you guys talk about that, I'm like, ah, you know, I I only really got to watch that on TV, right? Like I had just gotten league pass for the first time, but I got to see, you know, in person, Kobe do the same damn thing as number 24, (laughs) eight years later. And just kill Houston on the road, kill Denver, especially game huh. six. I was talking about game six, Western Conference finals, 2009, when he murdered Denver with like an efficient 35, 10 and something else. Yeah. Uh, how about the next year against Phoenix on the Phoenix. road? With the oh, butt the, butt the, the butt slap slap on uh, Elvin Alvin Gentry. Gentry. Um, and then, you know, on and on and on, like in the finals, uh, the games that he played at Orlando, uh, he was terrific. The Celtics series was such a slog that, but he, he was just constantly there and like the two, the two games that all, that all close on are the obvious ones like game seven of the finals. And, and we've been through it before, but not having, not being able to get a shot to fall. Neither could Paul Pierce, neither could Ray Allen. Everybody's legs were dead. Um, but the rebounding, the defense, the hustling and the just Found finding away. away. And so that, that's one thing, but the, the pressure and the intensity and the, the impact of that game uh, was heart stopping when you walked into the arena So I was so glad to be able to get his finale, the 60 pointer, which was just a celebration of this man's greatness and his skill and to have him give that back in the way that he did and to have that be the final memory and those, those jump shots against Utah down the stretch. Just um, I'd still don't, I still do not i do not know. Hopefully I'll be in this business for a long time and I'm, you know, 41 years old. Hopefully I've got another many, many years, but I just can't believe that i will ever be at a game like that you know that yeah. especially just for me right for for like the circumstances of covering the for the lakers and being obsessed with the nba and getting to um getting to witness that as uh, you know as any laker fan watching on tv um, probably felt feels a certain sense of um of pride with being at, uh, being at that game or watching that game um that's that's a quite a way to go out
2: pete he made a whole nba team winning 73 games on the last night of the regular season (laughs) of an NBA season.
0: The Warriors broke
2: the record for most wins in an NBA season, 73. And he made the whole night irrelevant for everyone else, except like the story was him. And it's, that was an unreal, it was an unreal night. I could only imagine what the energy was like in the building because I'll go back and I'll watch I'll watch the clips.
3: Yeah, of, just, just like Joy. That was like the, the you know, just oh, Joy. Snoop, Everybody just Snoop
2: just like going crazy. Jack Nicholson <laughs> being like, what the hell? Like, Jay-Z? what are we watching? Yeah. Everyone there, just like Everybody. everyone in awe. His family right there. Just sort of like the amount of like wonder and pride yeah. and just appreciation and the culmination of what that was. It it was just a brilliant a brilliant night and he gave us so many of those over a 20-year career and we talk about the finals we talk about everything else but the competitiveness pete the random wednesday night in march mm-hmm. against some random grizzlies team and kobe's
1: just like nope not tonight in some ways we always talk about the his career that you know the three-peat and then we talk about the pow years the two chips there The years in between when the team wasn't good speaks to a lot of what you're saying there. Those random nights where it was like, well, Kobe won us this game. You know, we probably shouldn't have won this game, but Kobe won us this game because he had that day-to-day type of commitment that you just, you can't fake. And that's, I want to close on, uh, you'd said something earlier about Kobe, Kobe knew how to fail better than anybody. And I think that's one of the great lessons that all of us can take from his basketball career and just his life and legacy overall, is he embraced his failures, like the 2008 finals that Mike was talking about, and he let that burn inside him and be the fuel for his greatness and for the the everyday work that he put into it. And when you listen to his thoughts and philosophies on how to approach his profession and his life, He makes a great deal of arguments of accumulation, of it's just a math equation. If I put in more time and I pay attention to more of the details than you do, if you add that plus time, it's a mathematical impossibility for you to beat me, right? But I am going to get there by making sure that I do that. And he did that by learning from his failures rather than being knocked completely off of his stride by them. And so that's something that all of us are going to fail. All of us are going to make mistakes. All of us are going to have regrets. And, but it's really how you pick yourself up off, or how you pick yourself up off the ground from those that really define you. And, and, and and lead you to an end point like that 60 point game against Utah, where it's this celebration and you've got all these, not just stars, but superstars from every aspect of business and music and of the world, all in awe and wonder of what he did. And I think that that is just a, a testament to all of the time and all of the mundane moments that he really had a great deal of gratitude for. So love you, Kobe. Love you, Gigi. We miss you. Uh, go Lakers Let's get some Celtic ass this weekend And we'll be back on Monday But until then You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast We'll catch you guys next time
2: Danger's got it in low to McHale McHale wants to turn He's double-team Just pass out of front Broken up by Worthy Tips to Magic Worthy dies on his belly Magic scores That's Magic got it
1: Magic fires It's And yeah, the Lakers win the game
2: The Lakers win the game Three seconds left that
3: next one winner. It. It's on the way. No! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for
0: this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in, right, in, Boston, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me?
3: Kobe hard to believe. Are you kidding
0: me? Unreal! Are you kidding me?
3: Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell.
0: There's the go. move. Two, go. one. it! <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> it's over. Shot clock out of five. Oh, yeah. Bryant. Yeah! with a little tap to alvin gentry that insult the injury kobe i mean
3: what a shot i mean you can't defend that are you kidding me 2.1 seconds
0: remaining denver a foul to give Jokic trying to disrupt rondo he puts it in here's davis four three in the win. oh it's good anthony davis has won it for the lakers
3: james again oh he hits another one lebron james